0: Please stand for the reading of the word from Acts chapter 10. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, "'Get up, Peter, kill and eat.' "'Surely not, Lord,' Peter replied. "'I have never eaten anything impure or unclean.' The voice spoke to him a second time. "'Do not call anything impure that God has made clean.' This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering, about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So Peter went down, said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: Thanks be to God. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. If, uh, if you brought a Bible with you, I would suggest uh, turning to Acts chapter 10, that's where we'll dwell today, in the Word. Um, if you're new to faith or new to the Bible, just know that if you turn two-thirds of the way through the book, uh, if you go four chapters in, you'll be able to run into Acts. I was thinking this past week about how, if this past year has revealed anything to us, it is revealed how we may be addicted towards change Uh, when we were in the pandemic and I uh, found myself at home every single day uh, I found the mundane life to be a very uh, hard life uh, to the point where I found the best day of the week was trash day and trash day was a great day because something was going to be different within my week Someone was going to come visit the house and out of all the trash days that I had the worst trash day Was the day where I almost forgot about trash day So I hear the truck and it's already past my house, but I'm Zane witcher I'm gonna make sure I still make it on trash day So I grab my can I pull open the garage and I start going now I want you to be reminded this was not a light jog, okay? This was an Olympic sprint OK, I was trying to make sure I could make it down the terminal before Southwest closed the doors on me. I was sprinting to meet to this trash truck guy, completely waving my hands. Well, one hand, you get the story. Anyways, so I'm waving this guy, and he sees me, and out of his mercy, but probably also his frustration, he stops the truck, puts it in reverse, backs it up. I'm out of breath. I'm at the point where I'm like, I have made it to trash day. And we put the can down, the claw comes, it picks up the trash can, and as he's lifting the trash can, I have the moment where I just go completely white, and his face goes completely red, because we both watch the can go up, and there's no trash in the trash can. And he looks at me, and he goes, come on, and I go, thank you, that's what I need. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, well, if you work for the city and uh, Tuesday and Thursdays, you run across Big Country Road uh, and you're here this morning, I would like to practice last week's sermon with you on repentance, okay? The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Here's the point that I would love for us to think about and chew on, is the fact that we desire change, but oftentimes we come up empty for the purpose of why we even want it. C.S. Lewis, who was this really creative writer, wrote a really famous book. Can you guess which one? Ah, you were gonna say mere Christianity. No, he wrote screw tape letters, and he basically had this creative way of being like an older demon to a younger demon, talking about how can you make an impact on humanity. And one of the things he writes about is he encourages this younger demon to think about implementing the horror of the same old thing. He says it is the most powerful thing to do to humanity, the power of the same old thing. What he means by that is he's saying that you and I are wired in such a way that we are always looking for new We are always looking for something to be refreshed. We are always looking for something to be changed. And if you don't believe that, then I want to bring you back to how many times do you check your phone a day? To that dopamine hit when you get a new email or a text message or you see a new post. That we avoid words like mundane or repetition because we feel like there's no action that's within it. In C.S. Lewis, when he writes this, he emphasizes that when humans start to disregard the mundane, your Monday through Friday, you begin to miss the action of God. Because the action of God does come through the mundane. And when you get to this uh, story in Acts 10, we actually see the action of God happening through the mundane. Luke, the writer of Acts, he's going to tell you three things about Peter. One, he wants to let you know, all three of them are hungry. So, he's hungry, he's waiting, and he's praying. Mostly like all of you right now, as you stare at me. You are hungry, you are waiting for this service to end, and you are praying that I will not go long today. And two of those three things will happen. That's a promise. But he is describing, Peter is in this just absolutely mundane state of life. And he has this unique, amazing encounter with God in the midst of the mundane. That he reminds us that God is looking to change us, not with something unique, but something that is in the every day In Acts 10 verse 10, this story actually starts off in the very beginning where he actually reminds you, Luke the writer, that they are on a journey as Peter is waiting and praying. Now your first question is, who are these people that are on the journey and what are they waiting for? And there's a reminder that what has happened earlier in the text that you didn't get to see is that God is on the move with a man by the name of Cornelius, that he is moving on his heart, and he is moving some of his men towards Peter, but God must first get Peter's heart ready and prepared to be ready to receive it. Now, I feel like there is a huge work for those of us in the room right now who are fixers. We're the type of person that we're like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I want to get my hands dirty. I want to get moving on something. Enough of this talking, enough of this sitting. I want to be able to get something done here. Acts 10 has a word for every fixer in the room. Waiting is an action in God's kingdom. It is an action because when we are waiting, we are waiting and preparing ourselves for the type of people to hold God's dreams in the first place to actually be able to have action. If Luke is going to say anything about the gospel and what it's happening, Acts is full of action, but it's first meant by God's action. All the action that follows is first because of God's action and God's initiation Dallas Willard, who was this like really famous giant that we stand on the shoulders of and we don't even know it. He once said that when he was waiting for a direction from God, this is so good. He said when he was waiting for a direction of God, if he had 30 minutes to pray, he would spend the first 10 minutes praying. But then the last 20 minutes, he would go do something like gardening or he would go out and run errands or he would go out and do something absolutely mundane. And someone asked Dallas, he said, why in the world would you spend your time like that? And he said, because I need to keep my hands busy for my mind to stay open. My hand's busy for my mind to stay open. That the action of God is happening around us. Which means that we are not people that just try to create work to be able to make something happen. But the work of God is recognizing that God is already working around your mundane. And your question is, where can I join that God is already doing or moving on people's hearts, including my own? In this, in this moment is where Peter encounters a word in the Monday. Now, it's been said by Christians long ago that if you want to define prayer, one of the ways to define it is to just say prayer is hearing a word that we cannot speak to ourselves. And starting in verse 11, we actually hear what that word is to Peter. So when he fell into a trance, he saw heaven opened, something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-foot animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And watch it. Watch verse 16. This happened three times. And then immediately the sheet was taken back up into heaven. Now, I don't know if you're a detail person like me, but I immediately want to know what is this vision or trance like? I want to know what this moment look, is. It like is it like the Broadway show Hamilton? Like is Peter just kind of like getting to see all this action just happen? And here's the thing: the Bible is not concerned about the how, but it's concerned about the what. So we don't know what this looks like for Peter, but we know what the imagery looks like of him hearing this word. And the key phrase to latch onto, starting in verse 11, is he saw the heavens opened up. Now, if you're reading through scripture, this is a cue right here. Anytime the heavens open up, something about God's identity is about to be said, and something about the identity of the people of God is about to be empowered. So think about like Jesus' baptism. That there is spoken identity and then Jesus moves from it. In Acts 2, when the Spirit falls on people, something is said about God and that identity empowers the people of God. In essence, the heavens opening up in Acts 10 is this divine aha moment for Peter. He learned something about God, which means he has to learn something about himself and actually move on it. But this is where the story gets very, uh, very real for us. Is that Peter is going to be challenged in his identity. Mainly because Peter identifies with a group of people, Israel, Jews, who were to help identify who God is. And in this moment, we get to watch as Peter experiences a microcosm of what is happening between jews and gentiles that there is prejudice that comes out of peter in his reaction that he treats food the same way he treats people we're told back in the day just because we have literature around it that when it came to jews and gentiles they did not always go well together gentiles would make up things about jews and jews would make up things about gentiles and you know even Gentiles sometimes would feel like, you know, to use political terms, that Jews would just be like party poopers because they wouldn't eat things like pork, which would have been the easiest or the cheapest meat around. There would be tension here. And Peter reaction is not a reaction of Jesus. It almost looks like Peter has missed what he has seen through the life of Jesus so far. And catch this, God is not changing in this story. What God is doing is inviting Peter to change. N.T. Wright has this beautiful illustration of how this is happening. This is like the equivalent of a mother and a child on the opposite sides of a street. And in that moment, one moment, the mother says, wait, don't cross the street. But in the next moment, the mother does tell the child, cross the street. Now, is the mother contradicting herself? Absolutely not what she's doing is she's waiting for the right purpose and the right time to tell the child to cross the street. That God is not cha- God has been unrolling. God has been revealing to people all this time. God's grand plan. And Peter is being invited to sense God's great plan. This is the same God. And Peter has an invitation to join what God is doing, where it starts with who God is and then moves to who he is. Which this kind of brings us to the wrap-up of what we've been trying to say in this series of Come to Our Senses. We have chosen that title basically just to use the language of the prodigal son in that parable, that he came to his senses. We could say that Christianity, from one angle, is a life of coming to your senses about God and about yourself. So whenever you're wondering, what do I do with the faith that I have? You are learning about God, and you are responding and learning about yourself because of what you've learned about God. And the last question in this series is asking the question, when you have a divine aha, how do you know? And when do you know that you've encountered something about God or about yourself? That's important. And the answer to that question is in this text. That Peter's experience should be our experience as well. That God isn't changing, but our perception is always maturing of who God is. If God has never changed, if we are never maturing our perspective of God, we need to take a quick glance at what we're implying. We're implying that God has been who we've always perceived God to be. And we've perceived ourselves to be who we've always been to be. And if God is transforming the world and transforming you, then there is transformation to happen in your view of God and your view of self. Christians would call this double knowledge. This is partnering in the work of God, sensing God and sensing yourself. And this story of Peter reveals to us that you know when you have a divine aha moment because it is a moment that is cross centered and shaped. That any amazing divine moment is always going to be complemented with asking something of you, it will cost something of you, and it costs Peter something. I want to turn your attention to verse 22 of the story. So Peter has had the vision three times. He still doesn't know what this vision completely means. Maybe he's got it, maybe he doesn't, we don't know. And then the three men come down, and in verse 22, these men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is the righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all Jewish people. And a holy angel told him to ask you to come to the house so that he could hear what you have to say. And then Peter, and this is scandalous, Peter invited them in. Let me put some more context around that. Peter inviting them in. In essence, Peter is inviting pain into his life. If you and I were to be reading across Acts as soon as this chapter gets done, as soon as he interacts with Cornelius, immediately at the beginning, it's like reading a church email after preaching on Sunday. Immediately after, he gets, he gets told by Christians who criticize him to be like, What are you doing? Why are you sitting with them? Why are you eating with them? And even later, if you're reading across the whole Bible, I mean, this is so real, guys. In Galatians, Peter gets called out because he's not following the same moment in Acts 10. Peter invites pain because of this divine aha moment, which is huge for us to think of because we always want to sense God, but we are not always prepared with what comes with these divine ahas. That it costs something of us. That we, we, we think that sometimes when we encounter God, we're gonna feel better. And sometimes the difficulty doesn't end when you encounter God, it starts when you encounter God. One of our, uh, one of our sound people after last week when I preached, uh, his name's Lanny. And uh, Lanny told me, he goes, oh, Shane has got to get back here. You, you exhaust me when you preach. Your right hand moves all the time. I'm exhausted by the time you're done. He told me last week, he goes, can you just say when you're getting to your final point and I'll tune back in. For all those who have tuned out, I'm getting to my final point. Here it is for you. The word for trance with Peter, I mean, this, you gotta love your Bible. This is so good. The word for trance in the original language literally means outside of self. That Peter's divine aha is a moment outside of himself. Church, what I'm trying to say is that when you encounter moments about God or moments about yourself, it is not for the end goal of yourself, it is for the end goal of probably someone outside. Of yourself that we enter into this to do this to actually invite a difficulty into our life to be able to see God's plan unrolling in our lives that the divine aha is meant for someone greater than just ourselves I don't know how many times that we hear people really loving and wanting to be able to experience a dream or a word from God, but we have to remember that when we encounter that, it's going to ask something of us. It's going to cost us something. So when you hear someone talk about encountering God or hearing a word from God, one of the best measurements is to ask yourself, is it cross-centered? Does it cost something in this moment maybe another way to reword it or rephrase it is does it call upon that person to step on their next stone let me explain as i start to wrap up what i mean by this i want to give you some wording of a prayer image. And I wanna actually invite you, I wanna invite you to close your eyes and I want you to visualize this image. And for those of you who are like, mm, see, this is why I don't like church. They ask me to close my eyes. I don't know what they're about to do. Like, I'm not gonna ask you to volunteer for anything. Okay, you do not have to raise your hand. But if you do wanna volunteer with college students, come see me afterwards. But that's all I'm saying. I wanna be able to read you a prayer imagery that gets at the sense of what I want you to hear for the end of this series of coming to your senses. So I invite you to close your eyes. Some of you have already looked at me like, I started that a long time ago. <laughs> Imagine that you're standing on the banks of a wide majestic, and fast-flowing river. Your goal is to cross the river. But let's be clear, there is no bridge across the river. Then Jesus comes to you, and in his hands is a large stone And he takes the stone and he places it in front of you. He invites you to step out on the stone. And you have to decide, will you step on the stone? Once you step on the stone, from each point on in each day, Jesus brings you another stone. Visualize Jesus bringing you another stone. And another and another and with each day comes a new stone that gets you further in the water but then one day you find yourself in the middle of the river and you feel the water moving between you you feel the intensity of the river so you begin to panic and you look back to go the same way that you came and only then do you realize where the stones have been coming from. You look back and Jesus is on the shore and has been dismantling the cottage on the shore behind you, the place where you've lived your entire life and is turning it one stone at a time into the stepping stones of your future. So the question remains as you look at the next stone. What is the stone that Jesus is dismantling from your home? What is the stone that Jesus is inviting you to step on, to change, to transform from? This is the work of coming to your senses, that each of us Build homes of comfort zones, of fears, of perceptions of the world, of prejudice, of addictions, of family history, sins of previous generations. The list is endless. And your question is, what's the stone that Jesus has placed in front of you? Well, I invite you to open your eyes. This is the work of God. To be able to sit and sense who God is and sense who you are. And because of realizing those things, the next step of your faith journey is to be able to say, what is that next stone for me to step on? What is God reworking in my life to transform? And you know a really great question to just gut check yourself on this? If you're participating in the gospel, at some point you're going to ask Or say to yourself, how did I get here? How am I sitting across from these people? Why am I doing this thing that I'm doing right now? If this were my own life, I would never be spending it doing this. The gospel at some point will cost, it will call something of us. And we as a church at Highland have a legacy of doing this. And church, we need to get back to it. We have a legacy of doing it. I am, as I was praying through this sermon, I remembered that nearly a decade ago, back row, three in, I would sit on that fourth seat back there as a college student. And I remember when I came to Abilene, I came to this church for the first time, I heard ways about heaven and earth and praying the Lord's Prayer that were completely fresh to me. Completely Fresh. And I remember sensing divine aha moments in this worship center. Being able to see God in new ways. To be able to hear some of the best people talk about God and reframe God for me. And it changed my mind. But the problem was when I started hanging out with y'all, I couldn't just change my mind. I had to change my life. I remember that when I started serving with this church. I'll never forget this. When I started serving with this church... I remember we got a phone call at one point and it was from a halfway house and they were like, hey, we need someone. Do you have someone? And my freshman guarded self is sitting in the lobby and we're like, you know, we just, we really do not have anyone to be. You, You know what? Hold on. Hold on. I think we do have someone. His name's Zane and we'll send him right over clicks the phone. And I just looked. I looked at them. And I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to that halfway house. I'm not doing that. And I remember I had a couple of people in this church gently, so gently, teach me that the Spirit of God is moving about in different people that are different from you. And this church helped me sense in my white, privileged, very guarded self, I was able to start seeing the face of God in different people. Not that I had any intentions or motives of being able to sign, but the kingdom of God in this church helped open my view to that and then invited me into the work of the kingdom to be able to see different ways that God is working, and to start working on myself. And quite frankly, being a part of this church, I am still having to let the Spirit of God work on me and my perceptions and my assumptions and my prejudice because I sense who God is, and I sense what God wants to do in me and in us. Church, our temptation at Highland is to be able to think that knowledge of God is the end goal. That knowledge of God and knowing God are the exact same things. We have to be able to enter into the work of if we sense God and we sense something about ourselves, we enter into participation of those things. I want to go ahead and invite the worship team to come up. And if you wouldn't mind standing for this next song, There's a prayer that I want to share with you at the end of this series of Come to Your Senses. This is by Henry Nowen. Henry Nouwen, who wrote this in his journal that no one even got to see these words until after he passed. And he said, for anyone, stay with me, anyone who wants to restart their relationship with God but has no idea where to start that, he said, I want you to just pray these very simple Words. Lord, give me a sense of who you are. Some people say this about you; others say this about you. But I want a real sense of who you are. That's the goal. That's what we're shooting for. That's what the kingdom of God is doing, and we get to participate in it. That you can sense what God is doing as we sense what God is doing. Let me pray over us. Uh, So Father, Son, Spirit, we pray that your breath breathes on us in a new way. For those of us who are skeptical, may you hold us and may you affirm to us that you are fine with us being in that place. For those of us who are hungry and thirsty, may you reveal to us what your kingdom is hungry and thirsty for. God, may you take whatever images or views that we have of you and may your son transform the view that we have of you into the likeness of him. God, I also pray for us as a church and us as a people. May your spirit help us bump into the things about ourselves that you are looking for us to transform. May we be able to sense you and what you are doing. And we pray all this in your most powerful name, Jesus. Amen.